Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, and we have a very special guest today talking to us from Innsbruck, Austria. Welcome, Michael Geisler. Hello. Hi, Buzz. Thanks for having me here. And thank you for your English being so good. Us uh, Americanos, we're, we're unilingual, while the Europeans, lovely, so helpful to be able to speak multiple languages. So thank you for helping us out on this one, Michael. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Now, you are one of our esteemed volunteer regional editors. This is very cool. Uh, of course, we all wished Peter Backman was doing everything. We actually wished Peter Backman was counting all the votes taking place in the United States right now. I think it would get done quicker if he did it all himself. But that aside, he couldn't quite keep track of everything. So we have regional editors, and you are one of them. So which countries are you tracking the FKTs in, and what does it mean to be a regional editor? Mm. Um, I'm covering Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, and I think Poland, Yeah, these uh, Central European countries. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I, I see now definitely why um, Peter is uh, reaching a limit here. I'm getting um, almost every day some new, uh, some new routes uh, to check, some new FKT attempts. And um, especially on the, after some weekends, Monday and Tuesday, uh, I see my inbox and I see there quite some um, new attempts there uh, in my inbox. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my tasks are then to check, uh, validate them if uh, everything is okay, if, if the um, mode that they ran is also okay, if, uh, if they ran supported, self-supported or uh, unsupported. Um, and then to add this um, on the homepage. Good work. And we have 11 regional editors. People can go on to the team page in the website and look them up if they'd like. It's under the uh, uh, more tab on the top menu bar. I'm not going to read everyone off right now, but thank you to all the regional editors who've made this happen. And we're going to learn more from you, Michael, here in a second. And I also want to thank the people who have supported what we're trying to do here. We just received a check from Patreon today uh, for $578. So that's not a ton of money. So please keep those cards and donations coming in, folks. You can go on the support page, become a Patreon subscriber, or just kick in a one-time donation. But none of us get paid. So if you are enjoying this, please support the continuation and kick in a little donation. Okay, Michael, so Europe is a little different. You have some interesting observations there, but I'm going to just touch in real quickly on the global pandemic. So I don't think your part of Europe is being locked down quite like France and Spain are, but maybe it is. So give us an update on the situation in your part of the world. Yes, so now in uh, Europe, um, we have October, beginning of November, and uh, um, the second wave of uh, COVID is hitting Europe now. And um, also in Austria and Germany, there is something like a lockdown light. Um, we're allowed to be outside, but only alone or uh, with maximum one additional person. So uh, <laughs> 
at least you can go out and uh, do some running and uh, enjoy the mountains, but uh, uh, not with too many friends. <laughs> that's the that's the drawback. Um, yeah, I mean, in Austria and Germany, it's a little bit better. Um, I think uh, this time uh, France and is is really difficult to do something. Um, but uh, I mean, there was also uh, a period in September where some races took place um, in Austria, Germany, uh, Italy. Um, very, I mean, the, the most of the participants come from, um, were local and did not travel too much around. I saw some people coming also from, from the UK or from countries a little bit far away, but uh, much, much less than normally known for these races. Yeah. Lockdown light. I appreciate that. So I think that's what most countries are trying to do. It's a sliding scale. We see what, what's going on and you move the needle to make the appropriate adjustment because we're always balancing the economy and health. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's always going up and down. Yes. Um, when, uh, when there is uh, there are not so many uh, corona cases uh, in the country then you get a little bit uh, more uh, relaxed and maybe and this is and then it comes back after some weeks again right the ebb and the flow but it's not going away anytime soon michael back in april you sent us an interesting email you proposed a uh, a challenge an fkt challenge in austria very cool, very interesting. We agreed to do that. So you, I believe you managed this FKT challenge over the summer. And I think this just wrapped up with a little virtual party. So tell us how this worked. Yes, exactly. Um, a colleague of mine uh, and uh, myself, we uh, we were really bummed because there were no races uh, throughout the summer. And so we said, okay, what can we do uh, to make it interesting for us and for uh, also other trail runners around um, Austria, Switzerland, uh, or the surrounding countries? So we said, okay, we are picking some routes, um, long one and ultra distance with 70, 80 kilometers, a marathon one with 40, 50 kilometers, and a sprint one uh, with around 20 kilometers um, on routes that we like that we like to run and also want to show other people and um, we made it we brought made up we uh, prepared a home page put it out there and uh, we also searched for some prices and we got very good uh, feedback from the industry um, who also did not have any races uh, to to support so um, we got a very interesting um, prices. Uh, Sunto uh, supported us and uh, Dynafit, um, a European uh, company for trail running and ski mountaineering stuff. Um, yeah, that was that was very good. So there was a, a nice incentive for the people to, to run it. And yeah, we realized then, then that um, the routes that we selected um, especially these are the routes that we like to run. We love to run. So they were quite technical uh, with uh, out in the mountains. 
And <laughs> we got the feedback then that uh, these routes, yeah, okay, you, you never can uh, run them too competitive because uh, they are quite steep, quite technically difficult. Um, but uh, exactly that what you need for a FKT. Well, that's a good way of putting it. And we're going to put that homepage on the written show notes. But right now, tell us what the, the homepage is. It's uh, fastestknowntimeaustria.com. That's easy to remember. But again, listeners, that will be on our written show notes to go look it up. <clears throat> and so people can see the, was it three or four routes, routes that you chose? So um, we have that uh, for, uh, um, also in Austria, we have a federal state. And uh, in the states, uh, for each state, we have uh, three routes. And um, in our uh, state, in Austria, we are in Tirol. We have also a monthly route, and uh, especially the monthly route where you have only 30 days to run it was uh, highly competitive. Uh, on one of them, we have we had 100 people running it in one month. Wow, good work. That's, so essentially, it's a virtual race, except you don't go head-to-head. -head. Exactly. That's essentially what's happening. Yeah. So you established one of the best routes uh, numerous place routes in different parts of your territory. And then people have one month or the whole summer to post their best time. So they could do it three or four times if they want. Exactly. Yes. So, and uh, um, at the end of the month, uh, the strategic guys really uh, came in uh, running it at the last day again uh, in the afternoon or so uh, doing some, uh, gambling uh, if it's dry or if it's uh, on the last dry day to to run it to really have a good time there um, waiting with posting it and so so to, to really uh, that, that it was uh, quite <laughs> dense and uh, very interesting at the end of the month with um, yeah and uh, on our Facebook group or so it was very interesting to see who is posting something, uh, uh, who, who has the new best uh, time of it. And so also for the women, it was very uh, ambitious also for the women there. Well, th th I love this, Michael. This is so, uh, people must be excited to hear what clever idea you had, because what I'm hearing is some people strategically waited until the end of the month. And so they didn't want their time to get broken. So they left it right to the last minute. Now, here's a question. Did they have to post it immediately on running? No. Um, of course, most of the time you saw it uh, uh, because uh, you you see who had the who has the best time on the segment uh, on Strava. But uh, we also um, added it manually, so the people had to send it to us manually uh, because we would did not want to rely on Strava or so. And uh, no, they. Uh, the only thing was five days after the end of the month, they had to submit it. But that was the only one, yeah. Okay. All right. And so there was, you experienced a closing charge. People got after it. Absolutely. But at one month, I remember uh, the last weekend of the month, suddenly it got rainy and slippery. So everyone who waited too long, uh, yeah, that was not the best choice there because... Uh, um, that was too slow then. <laughs> it's 
strategy strategy always pays off. I see your closing party is November 15th, virtual party. Exactly. And I said, get some chips and beer and get on the treadmill and join the party. Exactly. So um, we closed uh, this, uh, the date for running um, end of October. Uh, because now, end of October, um, it starts to snow on top of the mountains and uh, um, some of the routes were not possible to run anymore. Um, so we said end of October is uh, the final uh, date there. And now in mid of November, we are having our uh, race party, basically. First, we tried to have it in person with a, with a small run, but uh, now we had to uh, go virtual here. Um, yeah, and I mean, this is, uh, the people should have a good time. They, uh, uh, we had people who ran all of them, all routes, uh, really going with public transport there, uh, running t for 20 hours on the ultra um, route, then missing the last bus back home to the, to the city. So <laughs> there were amazing stories. And we hope that uh, during the virtual session, we can uh, have some of these stories, how the people, um, yeah, what they experienced there. Excellent work. Well, listeners, definitely go to the written show notes. We'll provide a link to this so you could see what's, uh, what, what happened. But unless one speaks German, I don't think one could participate in the virtual party, could we? Um, you can try. I mean, uh, you can uh, learn some German maybe. And so, uh, but <laughs> we, I think we have also some people who are not, um, who are not so fluent in German who we, and we will uh, make some interviews also in English. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, this is so good. I appreciate your creativity there. So how have FKTs evolved this summer? I mean, is it, look different this year is it before i think so yes uh, it's it's different um in the past years uh, you have some you know some runners uh, who are, uh, are going for one or two fkts during the summer but now this year when there are no races a lot also of the um, high profile runners um, they they want to do something. They want to have some projects, uh, do something for their uh, sponsors and so. And uh, you see really a lot of uh, on on both ends. You see them on both ends. One uh, really some high profile runners doing FKTs um, with video with really good um, advertising on the on the different channels. But then also all the um, the mid-pack and the end-pack runners going also for FKTs. So you see also there posting, uh, okay, we did this long route, um, this F FKT on the, uh, on this mountain range, uh, not going for the, the full FKT, but just to experience it and to, to rerun it and to see, okay, the maybe uh, one of the European Sky Race champions or so, um, is running this one in five, six hours. I need 10, 12 hours, but uh, okay, I did it on this. Um, I did it also um, in one piece and came back here. Yeah. 
So in other words, they don't need to set the FKT to have a good time. It's like a race. You don't enter a race because you expect to win. Well, some people do, but you know, 20,000 other people want to race for personal satisfaction. And so FKTs can be the same thing. It can be a good list of good routes to do. Exactly, yes. And uh, until now, until this summer, uh, on the FKT homepage uh, that you and uh, Peter are, are hosting, um, in Europe, there are not too many routes up there uploaded. I think this exploded also this summer where a lot of people thought, okay, um, I'm not the best runner, but I have here a really nice uh, long-distance walking, hiking trail um, in my backyard or connecting some cities. And yeah, we know it in the region, but uh, there is nowhere a FKT known for that. Um, so I run it. I'm not the fastest, but I have a first known time of this one and uh, submit it there as well. The first known time is an excellent strategy, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and people are definitely taking advantage of that, which makes more work for us. But that's totally fair. That's how it should be. And indeed, I was approving all routes uh, for about a month and a half this spring. And Germany was coming in strong. Yes, yes. Uh, like France and Italy got closed down, but Germany hit hard. I wish I could speak German this spring. But it's very interesting, Michael. And you're, you're going to explain this to us. But I would see something come in and be this you know, really long name that I couldn't possibly pronounce, 12 syllables. And I thought, someone just made this up. You know, they're just trying to get an FKT. So I'd Google it and boom, there it was. It's a totally organized route. It has its own website. It has its own logo. And I was thinking, Germany is an amazing country. I think the cliche is true. You're very organized over there. Here we just have these routes out in the middle of the woods that have some name, maybe. But in Germany, you have an entire website for routes. And indeed, the tourist boards... The local municipalities are really supporting this, aren't they? Absolutely, yes. Uh, for for example, in uh, northern Germany, where there are not too many mountains or uh, just uh, small uh, smaller hills, um, through a nice uh, valley uh, next to a river, there might be a um, a biking path, and the local tourist board is advertising this biking path. Um, yeah, where you can bike uh, 40, uh, 50, 60 kilometers or so from uh, one point to a, to a bigger river. And uh, yeah, you have everything there. You have uh, information where you can uh, eat, uh, where you can stop, um, some, some public transport information. So this is also in northern Germany where it's not so many mountains, uh, but I think especially there, this is very well known. And uh, on top of that, you have that uh, very similar also in the mountains in Austria's um, Italy or in uh, mountainous region of Germany, uh, where you have these long hiking or distance, long distance hiking paths. Um, and in these regions, you have a very good infrastructure with mountain huts, refugios and so, um, where you can one, hike from one hut to the other um, which 
where you're on 2,000 meters, 2,500 meters uh, altitude. Um, you sleep there and you you hike then the next day. And uh, for an FKT, basically these uh, these routes, 40, 50 kilometers or, or longer, um, you don't need six or seven days like the the hikers. Um, we run it in one in one day, and well, at least we try to. <laughs> I very much appreciate this because in the states it can be a little hmm, a little frustrating, a little disappointing by comparison, because the United States Forest Service does zero promotion. It almost is like they downplay it. The National Park System downplays it, and out west. The no municipality promotes anything of the kind. Back east a little bit, but in Germany and your area, the tourist boards, the government-funded boards, are putting up great signage. They're putting up facilities. They they supply t- free trail maps. So as you said, someone like me could just show up and run really good routes. Exactly, and there is a lot of information on the internet uh, um, where this uh, this is the information is provided. There, yes. Now you have two FKTs on the website. I bet you have more. I I don't. You probably could do more, but you just haven't uploaded them because it's sort of uh, you know you don't want to be you want to be a little more moderate since you are a regional editor. Is that right? <laughs> uh, I, I wish so. No. <laughs> Um, I try to to get uh, some additional ones, but uh, it's not always possible. And uh, um, in uh, uh, in the Alps area, the the routes that are really known, they are very competitive. They are unbelievably mm-hmm. competitive. Um, especially this uh, summer, you have. At one point on a on a hundred kilometer trail, two top runner uh, who were in the yeah one was in the top five of Tour de Chant and the or how do you say Tour de Gant, and the other one is top ten from UTMB. Uh, they they were running without knowing uh, that the others running on the same day, and at the end they are only uh, yeah after seventeen hours running or so they are only divided by 10-15 minutes. <laughs> that's very competitive so two world-class runners coincidentally run the same route in the same day and 17 hours in they were only 15 minutes apart yikes yeah yeah well, well okay well uh, m- more credibility for your mount balto traverse in italy and the catwalk in austria so i guess uh these aren't obscure routes you have to get at if you're in your part of the world, to get an FKT, you have to be pretty good, is what you're saying. Um, for the established ones, yes. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, what uh, You mentioned that 100K route, and you also voluntarily submitted a few routes for submission into the Fastest Known Time of the Year Award. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. And again, the FKT of the year is going to be back for 2020, and it will be back again in a separate edition for the for Europe. I was going to say EU, but the UK 
is not part of the EU. So I had to say Europe. I'm including the UK. Sorry about that little nuance there. But at any rate, so there'll be two separate editions, one for North America and one for Europe. And you submitted a couple ideas and you were, Michael, it's fun reading this. You were so enthusiastic and you were so impressed with this. So well, tell us a little bit about some of these highlights that you've seen. Yeah. Um, for example, um, there is one uh, route in Germany, uh, the Watzmann Trans Traverse. Um, it is only 22 kilometers long and uh, 2,200 meters uh, uh, in vertical gain. But uh, it's, it has everything that uh, that a trail runner wants to have. It's uh, First, it's very steep. Then it's very technical, uh, almost via ferrata. Um, and then there is a brutal downhill. And at the end, you have to run it uh, back out really fast on a, on a forest way. Um, so, and uh, we had uh, Hannes Namberger, who is uh, yeah, one of the top sky runners on the ultra distance on the world tour. Um, he did it in three hours uh, straight, I think. And then suddenly the local uh, ski mountaineer, Anton Palzer, who is also one of the top three ski mountaineers in, in the world, um, who comes from this region, uh, saw this and said, no, he, he needs to do something. So he really uh, ran it uh, with support and uh, put a time with, I think, two hours 50 or less than two hours 50 in there for two, 22 kilometers, 2,200 meters vertical gain. Uh, it's an incredible time. And if you see that, um, how rocky and how how you have to scramble up there it's uh, it's unbelievable normal tourists or normal hikers would um, do this route in two days they are sleeping in a mountain hut up there <laughs> well he went sub three hours on a two-day hike uh, well your description was interesting because i have not done well let me think i've done nothing in germany my apologies I've been to France and Italy and Spain and Andorra, but not in Germany and Austria. So, of course, the ethic there is very different than in North America. Here we call it trail running. There, I believe, you call it mountain running because that's mostly what people are doing. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, I mean, that was the case uh, some years ago, 10 years or so ago. That was really uh, the challenge who is the first up on the mountain, really mountain running uphill. Now, it uh, uh, trail running is really uh, uh, gaining momentum here. And in the last five years or so, it really exploded with a lot of uh, races. And uh, um, this really means then you're going longer distances, uh, you go up and down. Um, so also, the downhill racing is now added there as well. So that's that's very common now also in Europe. Gotcha. Particularly, as you said, in northern Germany, where you move away from the Alps, you have terrific forests, but not a lot of high mountains. And so they're out there running the trails. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> I was not uh, in this area yet, but uh, some, some colleagues and some friends uh, were running there. Um, also towards uh, Poland, and these were amazing trails and uh, quite exhausting also because you never have something, no, not a not a flat part in there. It's always going up, down, up, down, all the time. 
Right. So Germany, could we say, I should, I'm sorry, Germany and Austria sort of have two divisions. Would this be honest or would this be stupid of me to say? So in the South, in the high Alps, it's very mountainous. And there's a certain ethic there with a strong background in skiing and mountain sports. While when one moves to the North, a little less so. And a lot of the FKT routes there, like you said, are following long rivers and valleys. They're going past fantastic breweries and wineries. Is it a little different between North and South? I think so, yes. Um, what I see now in the uh, FKT submissions is uh, on the flatter courses uh, from the north, they're really fast there. It's uh, uh, If you look at the, uh, at the, minute, the time that they are running per kilometers, that, that is quite fast. Um, on, in the mountains, um, you, you need the technique, you need it, uh, um, the stamina to, to really go through the, uh, the long trail there, the long uh, route. So it's a little bit different here. And also it's not so easy to get uh, if you need something to drink or um, need something to eat, you, you need to be careful uh, in the Alps there. You need to be careful because there there isn't anything to eat or drink. Nah, uh, in the mountains, it's more difficult to get something than on uh, um, in the in the flatter areas of the north. I see. I see. Okay. Well, how about contrasting your area, which is Austria, Germany, the Tyrol, with other parts of the Alps? Is it is the style similar where you are to the style in France? Chamonix, for example. Yes, uh, I think it's very similar. That's that's right. In Chamonix, it's just uh, all on the next level. You you're not running like uh, in uh, in Austria up to three thousand meters. You can go one thousand meter more up. So it's uh, in 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 this area in uh, Chamonix or the France part. It's just even bigger. The Alps, uh, the the Eastern Alps here in Austria and uh, in this area, is a, it's all a little bit smaller. Gotcha. St still very competitive, but just a little bit smaller. That's true, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. When I was in the Dolomites, northern Italy, I noticed I was surprised. I did not know this until I went there. Everybody speaks two languages. The towns have two names. One name is Italian, the other name was in German. So the culture there really is the mountain culture and the border is a little hmm, a little more arbitrary. It's, it's almost like if you cross the border, it's the same culture, even though you've crossed a political boundary. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, the reason for that is until 100 years ago uh, at the World War I, the, the Dolomites and this area... Um, South Tyrol was uh, still uh, with uh, with Austria, and uh, during the World War, they built a lot of uh, at this uh, at this fighting border where the the war was taking place. They built in the Alps um, um, a line where uh, the, the the soldiers have to stay over winter. Um, they were fighting here against uh, the the people from from the. Uh, from the war opponent, 
And um, yeah, the logistics ways and so they were very, they are still available there. And a lot of the path and hiking ways in the Dolomites, um, in Italy, in Austria and so, they are still from this time. And uh, you can see there uh, still a lot of, um, yeah, where this, uh, the border was uh, on the World War One. And those are the, that's the origination of the famous Via Ferratas, you know, the Iron Ways, yes, which yes. I, did not exist anywhere in North America, but are quite common over there. And by the way, a few people, oddly, have borrowed the term and established new Via Ferratas here at tourist areas. And they're kind of, eh, they're a little uh, foo-foo, if you will. Because I've been on some of the Via Ferratas in Italy, and they're serious. They're amazing. Oh, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a trail runner, you sometimes, if you're, if you're looking out for a route and so, and uh, uh, yeah, okay, you see where other people are running, and uh, um, you did not realize when, when, plan when you're planning this, uh, your trip, oh, this is a Via Ferrata, so uh, where is my harness and so? But uh, on the easier ones, you can go also without. But uh, if it's getting more dangerous and more vertical up, uh, then it's better to get back to the hotel and get your or to the car and get your harness. <laughs> well, for those who don't know what we're referring to, uh, the Via Ferrata is fixed lines, not the normal nylon, but steel cable. They're permanently bolted to the rock. Um, as Michael said, for soldiers to use. And there are oftentimes caves and reinforcements and bunkers up there where they could live. Uh, and nowadays, it's much safer to use Via Ferrato specialized equipment, which is the harness and always a pair of gloves. So you can clip into the cable. Yeah. And uh, or right. if it's. You're, if it's not too steep, you can skip the harness, but definitely bring the gloves. Yes. No, and you're right, uh, especially in the Dolomites, uh, there are some really nice Via Ferratas there. You run up there, uh, you, you get into your harness, you climb up. In the background, you have the Dreizinnen uh, there. So it's a really nice adventure there. Um, yeah, and a little bit of difference or an alternative to running, yeah? I don't even know this now that we're speaking about it. Are there any Via Ferratas that are FKT routes? Yes, uh, part of it, yeah. I just had one uh, on a glacier um, where they're running up one of the highest mountains in, in Austria or one of a high mountain in Austria to the Dachstein. And there is a glacier on top. And before the glacier, there is also Via Ferrata, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Michael, you are an expert on the cool routes in your area. And I could ask you what they are, but w no one will be able to remember them. So instead, I'm going to ask you to email them to me, and I will just put links to them in the written show notes, which might be a little easier. Or you could just give us a verbal description. Yeah. Let's do that. We'll do both. You'll email me the link and a quick verbal description now as to why you think they're cool. Yeah. So there is one uh, route in uh, uh, on the Alps, and this is really more like yeah, really similar to the long through hiking routes in in the US. Um, it's a 550 kilometer stretch from Munich to Venice. 
So really wow. from north of the Alps towards um, to the south. It's a basically a direct line, 550 kilometers, 20,000 meters of vertical gain. And uh, actually on the FKT homepage, there is no FKT yet. It is very popular with the through hikers in Europe, but uh, I suppose no one of them um, did yet uh, uh, submit here uh, an attempt. I know. Yeah. Is that, pardon me, is that one of those named routes with the numbers then? Mm, I'm not 100% sure. It's the... Because um, in France, they, they, they number them. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think there is a, a number on this one. Mm, okay. Belgium, they number them as well. But not, but this one's just named. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's really, it will be in the show notes. And uh, actually, there was an attempt this year by two very good uh, trade runners from Italy. But uh, uh, the first 100 kilometers are basically flat. And uh, they were too fast there. So when they came after the first night in the mountains, they had to stop because uh, uh, they, they had problems with their uh, feet and could not continue anymore. But it's a, it's a very interesting and very challenging route there. Okay, good call in the show notes. What else? What else really? Well, let's that 550 is a little long. So say travel restrictions ease up next summer. And someone listening to this podcast says, let's go over to the Tyrol and do something. What do you think they should do? And let's say they also are okay technically. Not brilliant, but okay. A very nice and uh, scenic one is uh, in Zillertal. It's the Berliner Höhenweg. Uh, This is a 100-kilometer route in uh, Zillertal where you really go from uh, you you go up uh, up to f- almost 3000 meters in altitude um, you start in a, and you you go there and there are lots of mountain huts mountain refu- refugios along the way um, where you can also if necessary if you can sleep you can sleep there or uh, you uh, you just get something to eat um, but otherwise, there is hardly any uh, cell phone reception there. It's it's very, um, yeah, it's uh, very nature. A lot of nature is in there. Now, Hohenweg, which I just mispronounced, my apologies, that means high route, does it not? Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if one can speak German, one can figure out the roots a little bit by their name. Yeah, but uh, I think we will add add them as well in the show notes, yes, (laughs) (laughs) to make it easier. Good thinking. So, Michael, what's next for you? I liked what you said earlier about ski mountaineering, which is kind of sort of coming to the United States, almost entirely out west, however. But ski mountaineering has been big in the Alps for decades I mean, do you participate in that? Or are you going to be outdoors running in the winter? Um, both, but uh, I really like ski mountaineering. Yes, um, we have um, in uh, in Europe. There are basically two parts. Um, either you go up a normal ski piste, um, which is uh, in the skiing areas, 
um, either during operations or in the morning or in the night. Um, that's normally in, in our area. Um, some skiing areas have uh, a ski touring night. That means uh, you after work, you can uh, go there during the night, uh, put up a headlamp and uh, go uphill to the top of the skiing area. There is normally a restaurant which is open until 10 o'clock in the evening. And uh, yeah, have to have your dinner there or just uh, refill there. Um, and then before 10 o'clock, you go down uh, to the valley with, uh, with your headlamp, uh, go back and uh, yeah, you have a nice evening out after, after work. And is that a special pass? So that'd be cheaper than a day pass. Normally in Europe, they only charge you for the parking, for the parking lot. You don't need a, a ski ticket there because you're not using the, the infrastructure. Okay. See, Europe is so far advanced of the United States. Here in Boulder, we have a local ski area, which is incredibly restrictive. They have an uphill only pass, which is only open sometimes out of the year. Uh, and some hours of the day, very, very restricted hours of the day. And Michael, there is no restaurant at the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's a, uh, you, you have to earn your beer. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's really nice if uh, after a nice climb, uh, you, you know that you get the cold beer in there. That's, uh, that's uh, um, yeah, that's very nice. It's more civilized, let's put it that way. <laughs> Good for you. So, I, But just like with running, no ski mountaineering races. And I should note, pardon me for the listeners, ski mountaineering has a very wide definition of what it is. Obviously, you can go up mountains on skis, that's ski mountaineering. But it's more strict definition is where one uses very lightweight, very, very efficient skis and also could race. And this isn't, you know, a lift service to the top and run down through gates at all. It's always climbing up using skins, and then you quickly, efficiently remove the skins and ski down off in a different location. So you're kind of doing essentially running routes on skis, except they're always quite steep. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, yes, there are a lot of races uh, in uh, um, in the Alps for for ski mountaineering, and um, as you said, it can be both. It can be on the on the slopes in the in the afternoon when the ski uh, uh, when the ski lifts are closing, or um, this is a full event in the backcountry where you have uh, yeah where the organizer first checks okay which uh, route or which mountain is uh, safe to go and uh, then you go up to, uh, as fast as possible to the top of the mountain and on another route back down as fast as possible on the back um, during uh, through the back country there um, so there are very interesting races there yeah it is not and when you yeah. when you're going as fast as possible back down there are no control gates you're taking the route whatever route you have the courage to take that's correct. That's correct. Uh, there are maybe it's yeah. There are some direction gates, but not like on the on the downhill World Cup or so, where you have to go through each gate. Yeah. I just saw a, um, 
ja, und Strava <lacht> A uh, colleague who is uh, who is participating on races who is going down with 120 kilometers per hour on the really? on the small <laughs> skis, yeah, on the uh, tiny skis. So wow! So his watch recorded a fastest split of 120 kilometers per hour. True. Yeah. Okay. So, friends, uh, make sure you're feeling very fit and very strong before you take up ski mountaineering, but an amazing sport if you want to give it a try. So that's what you're doing this winter, Michael. And then next summer, next spring, some more running, some more FKTs. What do you think the future brings? I know this is a ridiculous question, but, you know, you're over there on the other side of the world. And so I thought I'd ask it, what, what's coming up? What do you see next spring and summer looking like? Oh, that's a really, really good uh, question. Yes. <laughs> um, um, definitely running. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, we will also see how we proceed with our um, FKT challenge here in Austria. If we do it in a similar way, maybe it looks like that. Yeah. Um, as we see now, um, this up and downs where it's uh, a little bit relaxed uh, uh, COVID measures and then with, a, again, uh, more tougher uh, COVID measures, it is uh, it will be an up and down. And hopefully some, um, we saw some races already here and we hope that with uh, some precautions taken by these, uh, by the race organizers, it's possible to execute some of the races. Um, we had some of the races in September, and uh, it was yeah, it was very good because when the organizer can uh, provide a concept, uh, a strategy, how to deal with uh, all the people on the start and on a uh, and uh, when they come to a aid station out on the trail. Most of them are alone or in a, in a small group, so there is not much uh, which can cause problems. Um, yeah, and so that should be okay. Um, I hope that there will be some races next year uh, because otherwise the organizers will have problems uh, continuing to have that in the next couple of years. But uh, on the other side, yes, also the FKTs will be there, will be out there. And uh, yeah, uh, people will have the opportunity again to uh, to focus more on the FKTs. Well said, Michael. The door to races will be cracking open while the door to FKTs is wide open. Yes. Thank you very much for your time. It's, I appreciate you sharing the perspective from Europe. Thank you very much. Uh, my, uh, thanks for having me here. Yes.